Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Indefensible Plants podcast, the official podcast of indefensibleplants.com. What's up? This is your host, Matt. Welcome to the show. How is everyone doing this week? I'm doing great because I have a very tasty episode here for you today, and I'm kind of being facetious, but not really, because we are talking about vanilla, both the genus and the flavor, because you can't have vanilla without the genus vanilla, which is a wonderful group of tropical orchids that have a very weird natural history. And along with his colleagues, my guest today has uncovered a really important aspect of vanilla natural history, and that has to do with seed dispersal, one of the most important events in any plant's life. I don't want to steal any of his thunder, but I will say it involves bees and rodents and in ways you might not expect. So I don't want to waste any more time. Let's just jump right into it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Adam Karamans. I hope you enjoy. All right, Dr. Adam Karamans, thank you so much for coming back to the podcast. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I am so excited for this work because it's been a long time in the works. But for those that haven't heard your previous episodes, tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what it is you do. Sure. Thanks so much, um, Matt, for inviting me again. Um, I really enjoy your podcast. And uh, Thanks. Well, we, we should all, all be out there defending plants. So, <laughs> you know, I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, well, I'm Adam Karamans. Um, uh, I am director of Lancaster Botanical Gardens in uh, Costa Rica. It is a research center um, that belongs to the University of Costa Rica. Um, it's publicly funded, so that makes it uh, interesting and unique in a way. And it is specialized on orchids. So we do orchid research. Um, everything uh, <laughs> you could think about um, when you think about orchids is our business. So we mostly work on, on Costa Rican plants uh, and Latin American plants, but we, we also do a lot of uh, ecology and, and taxonomy, systematics, phylogenetics, uh, even in vitro culture, wow. and, um, germination studies on orchids around the world. Excellent. Yeah, I always love having you on because I know I'm going to learn something new about my favorite family of plants, the orchids. But just the work in general, it's so widespread and, and so important because you take, or you and your colleagues really in general, take more of a natural history approach, a conservation approach. It's not about necessarily these big theoretical ideas. It's applying them in a way that helps the species, helps us understand biodiversity. Uh, it just really speaks to me as a scientist. Right, right. Um, well, we we are, of course, in the plants themselves. We are in the forest and uh, just half an hour from Lancaster, you can be uh, submerged in a tropical forest looking at uh, orchids and uh, the interactions that they have with uh, the trees and the fungi and bees and, and birds and whatnot that... Uh, you know, make up the whole ecosystem. So for us, it's more of a study of the whole system. And, um, and that really makes it enjoyable. So it's not so much about, well, of course, you, you always do the theory as well. <laughs> right. But it's a lot of, of practice as well. Wonderful, wonderful. And so the reason I'm so excited about talking to you today about this specific topic is it's kind of been in the works for a while. And I think it tells both a story of, of intrigue, passion, and interest in plants, but also how much of a struggle it can be to do good natural history work these days and actually get people to pay attention and publish it for a lot of different reasons that we don't need to go into. But, you know, I remember sort of you hinting at this idea and checking in every once in a while going, hey, how's it going? You're like, ah, just wait, just wait, <laughs> a little more data, a little more time kind of thing. So, we're talking today about vanilla and how did how did that come about because that's a plant that you know most people listening i hope have heard about but may not recognize it as an orchid we've had you on talking about myths in the past a lot of times orchids when when vanilla is in the product they use a dendrobium flower you know there's a lot of reasons to be curious about vanilla and the truth behind it where did it all begin for you Right. Well, vanilla is, as you mentioned, an, an orchid, and, and most people probably don't realize that uh, at first. Um, it is an oddball uh, among the orchids, um, certainly because uh, it is one of the, well, I would say the main um, 
orchid that is consumed as as a staple or as food um that is quite unique there are a few others mm. but not 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 even closely as as widespread and and important as orchids uh sorry as vanilla um and it is also a weird orchid in in other senses um the it, it it's the plant is a vine so it's a tropical vine that grows um in uh, in the tropics of uh, around the world and there are about 140 species worldwide so it, it is a pretty big genus um but the most important feature of course of of the vanilla orchid is that um the fruits of certain vanilla species produce vanillin um and vanillin is what we use in ice cream in cakes you know in desserts in cosmetics um uh, as a as an aromatic flavoring okay so vanilla is a genus with over 100 species and it sounds like relatively few considering the breadth of the genus uh actually produce vanillin in any measurable amount well uh it is not really well established oh. which species um, um, have vanillin and which don't. But what we know for sure is that vanillin only occurs in uh, vanillas that are growing naturally in uh, Latin America. Oh. So we know that only tropical America has native species with vanillin. That is something that we know. and there is still debate as to how many species uh, of vanilla actually grow in these areas and uh, actually have vanillin some you you may not imagine that but some of these vanilla species are really rare mm. are not well known and sometimes people don't haven't even seen or smelled the fruits <laughs> so you don't know if they you assume they are probably fragrant uh, given that they are closely closely related to other species that have fragrant fruits but it's it's not so there isn't a very um thorough list of mm. of uh, vanilla species with vanillin we imagine that most of the uh, relatives of vanilla planifolia which is the species that is mostly uh, cultivated worldwide um we we imagine that most of the relatives have vanillin in their fruits in varying uh, quantities and qualities but indeed um it's only those that uh, are native to to latin american countries and from from mexico down to argentina and um they have been cultivated uh, around the world so actually the biggest producers of vanilla um are now um, countries like madagascar mm. uh, la reunion where the these species are not native wow fascinating and you emphasize the fruits right and that's kind of the thing that first jarred me about this group is you think oh a wonderful scent a wonderful flavor must be the flower but the emphasis here is actually on the fruits which if you go to the store at least here in in north america they're sold as beans it's an orchid that's definitely not a bean correct <laughs> right um the the fruits are indeed um um, um much more aromatic and and vanilla like well we all know the the <laughs> vanilla smell right sure. and so we we say that the the fruits are uh smell vanilla like um flowers vanilla flowers may be um um may have a scent mm. but but sometimes it's citrusy sometimes it's more grassy but it's definitely not a vanilla smell in a <laughs> right. way they are vanilla fruits, uh, sorry, flowers. <laughs> right. So they smell like vanilla, but uh, in, <laughs> they don't smell like the vanilla that we imagine, sure. right? the vanilla that we know. It's the fruits that actually contain uh, vanillin. And um, indeed, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a very particular smell. Uh, and the reason for this uh, odor or this aromatic in the fruits has been a matter of debate among mm. scientists. Why do vanilla uh, fruits have this uh, very particular smell? 
Yeah, it's an intriguing idea. And I mean, I can understand like an apple or a pear. I mean, there's something edible there that's attracting. They do have an odor to them. Bananas, if you leave them out long enough, will smell. But, you know, when I think of orchids, I don't necessarily think of something that I want to pick off of a tree and munch on. And so the fact that it was domesticated and spread around the world for this purpose is fascinating. But I love kind of going back to this idea of how many unknowns there really are, even among familiar groups of this idea that, yeah, it's this worldwide known, coveted, highly celebrated scent and flavor. Yet the reason why this plant is doing it is not to please us. I mean, it helps, but that there was this long, it's, we've gone this long with a debate blows my mind. And it just goes to show you that you, you really do need that time and effort and someone to go, Hey, I, I'm going to actually spend time and part of my career <clears throat> investigating this. Yeah, well, when I when I started looking into vanilla about a decade ago, um, I was very surprised uh, to learn that most of these ecological and biological um, features or, or, or characteristics of vanilla were still unknown hmm. and still a debate. And uh, that is something that really surprised me because, of course, as you as you mentioned. You know, this is a this is an important um, crop uh, that has been cultivated for uh, centuries, um, that has been known for centuries, and that is highly valued and highly valuable. Um, it's a very expensive crop, mm -hmm. and the fact that um, people don't really know how or what is pollinating the flowers in nature, and what and how seeds are being dispersed in nature is quite remarkable uh, it, it is it is it did surprise me when when we started working on this uh like i said 10 years ago just by chance um i i've i've i work on orchids of course and i've always been interested in in miniature orchids especially <laughs> and um about about uh, 10 years ago we we set out uh to help some colleagues from Leiden University um, um, look at uh, um, soil uh, fungi in in the South uh, Pacific of Costa Rica, and uh, I went on, with them on a on a field trip, and I found very large populations of of different vanilla species there. This is in in Osa. Okay. Um, and the Osa region is is quite rich in in lowland orchids. It's uh, it, there, it, it has a very high rainfall and it's a very warm uh, area with uh, a lot of forest. Um, and so we found quite large populations of, of vanilla down there. And uh, we said, well, maybe it would be an idea to start looking into you know uh, vanilla and how it reproduces and how it disperses uh, using these these populations down here. Fascinating. I, man, seeing them in the wild has got to be its own experience, let alone, you know, trying to understand what's going on ecologically. But, you know, when you say scientific debate, that means a lot of different things in a lot of different sectors. And so what did sort of the early ideas that were being thrown around, what did this debate around vanillin actually look like? What were some of the ideas that were being put forward? Right. Um, first of all, it's important to um, remember that orchids are mostly wind dispersed. Mm -hmm. So the orchid seed is mostly dispersed by wind. Uh, orchids are very uh, specific in their pollinators. So the flowers are, are highly uh, modified and specialized, but the seeds are mostly very tiny and easily uplifted uh, by a gust of wind. And uh, so so orchids mostly dispersed by by uh, just wind, uh, a, a very simple wind mechanism. Um, there are a few orchids and uh, vanilla included uh, that have fleshy fruits mm. um, with uh, larger seeds, rounded rounded black hard seeds, and so people have always debated. Well. You know, does this mean that um, that these these fruits, these fleshy fruits, sometimes aromatic, sometimes very colorful, uh, are they dispersed by? Are the seeds being dispersed by animals instead of the wind? Hmm. And um, so, in in vanilla, uh, if you check the literature, you can find anything from 
it is still it it's still being believed to be wind dispersed up to uh things like ants and bees huh. and um uh, uh reptiles um iguanas uh, <laughs> birds uh, monkeys even Ooh. and uh, mammals in general so there are a, if you if you look into the literature there's a lot of debate as to what could be dispersing these seeds they're still tiny seeds sure um, but much bigger than the than the wind dispersed uh, seeds and like you said they have this this black crust uh, which we all know of course the little black seeds um, of vanilla and um, yeah I there's a bit of everything. In <laughs> yeah, actually, it's a role. And, and just to interrupt you there, sure. The role of vanillin itself was um, wasn't clear at all. So you still had all these, you know, different uh, theories of of uh, animals or wind or even gravity dispersal, um, but no theory as to what role vanillin would be playing in. In the, in the dispersal. Right, right. So you have these fruits producing a very aromatic compound that we humans can detect. So it's only imaginable what the, the animal kingdom is doing with it. But yeah, I think it really was your paper, seeing the, the, the photographs and the figures in your paper before I put two and two together. I was like, those are the seeds. Oh my God. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah. It- it, it it is it is quite quite interesting, and we were uh, so you know at first um, we we couldn't believe what we were seeing. Right, I I, I must admit that. Right, uh, but of course you know uh, after repetition and doing it once and again and then again and you know having cameras set up and having traps set up and in different locations in in national parks in Costa Rica we we really. You know, we I think we put a nail in that coffin. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it it is indeed quite quite interesting uh, what we found. Right, and so thinking about it from your perspective, you you've kind of outlined how long you've been at this, how long you've been curious and and investigating this. How do you go from okay, we know there's no real sound idea on what's dispersing the seeds, let alone the role of vanillin. How do you finally catch up with decades of speculation like where did you start to go okay this is how we're gonna figure this out yeah that's a that's a very nice question um people think that it it sometimes think that it just came about (laughs) right there you go we we just we just one day you know set out to to solve this this mystery but um it it was actually a a lot of hard work and (laughs) and a lot of transition um in time from one thing to the other so we initially um noticed so there are more or less two well there there is a very distinct pattern in vanilla fruits um which you can see in the field here in costa rica and that is that many of the aromatic highly aromatic fruits will uh remain on the vines Hmm. so you will you will be able to walk into the forest and smell it and that is why the the aztecs and and i'm going to contradict um mr edcott who wrote a, a very good book on on vanilla um here because he believed that the aztecs had mistaken the the vanilla fruit for a flower mm. because they called they call it uh, or they called it the black flower and I don't think that they made a mistake at all. I think that they called it the black flower because of that highly aromatic um, power the, the the fruit has, and it opens up and when it matures, um, exposing the black seeds and and you know exposing what what look like different petals and sepals of a flower. Hmm. So I think they were referring to that. So they knew they knew. That this these fruits would remain on the vine, and when I say remain, I'm talking about months. Wow. So you will you are you will find that a, a vanilla odorata, for example, um, will mature. The fruit will then split open and slowly, from the apex to the base, uh, coil and and recoil until it's completely um, 
exposed the seeds and this this will take several weeks up to a few months Whoa. and it's highly aromatic you can you can smell it you can smell it several um uh meters away in in in, in for you several feet away <laughs> um and and well that's that's how we got started so we we started looking into that um and we we started looking at well you know what what are these highly aromatic fruits that ferment and and open up in on the vine uh, attracting because people tend to think that the aroma is only only comes about after uh, a human processing of the fruits mm. and, and a human curating and, and fermentation of the fruits but that's not the case it occurs naturally and so you will be able to locate a fruit before you actually see it you can already smell it wow um and so we thought okay well what is coming to to these fruits and um so we started with vanilla odorata um and we placed uh, some of the fruits out in the field and we started um um putting video cameras on them hmm. just recording whatever whatever would come to these fruits and and at some point we realized that bees were were starting to to be attracted to the fruit okay and we we of course had read uh, in literature that indeed um bees are attracted to to mature uh, vanilla pods but that had had not been associated with um seed collection hmm. and so we started we started looking into that to see if we can if if the attraction of the bees to these opened up fruits somehow led to to seed dispersal and that's that's how it all started and um what we soon realized looking at the video footage and um the photographs is that if you zoom in you can actually see the seeds stuck on the bodies of these uh bees wow and um yeah so that that's something we 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 I always say my students were making fun of me <laughs> the first time we were doing it they were saying why are you why are you uh, recording this bee um, <laughs> it, obviously you know bees are not known they are they're very important pollinators right <clears throat> plants but they are virtually unknown as seed dispersers right there are only four four plant species in the world that are known to be dispersed by that have seeds dispersed by by bees wow um just in four uh, families and all of them are um small trees or bushes okay so you know they they were looking at me like you know that th this is almost ridiculous you should you know why are you doing this but then you know with looking at the recordings and some of the bees that we caught they were clearly uh carrying the seeds and so what we found is that there there are two um kinds of bees that collect uh well that remove the seeds mm -hmm. Um, and that is the euglossin uh, bees, which are uh, known as orchid bees, which have a, the males have a very particular behavior of collecting fragrances from flowers and different other sources, which they use as perfumes um, mm. for attracting females in their courtship. And so these male bees uh, would go to the vanilla fruits and collect the vanillin. And because the vanillin is um, found around the seeds or in the same, you know, general area, when they brush on the on the um, fruits, they get the the black sticky seeds stuck onto onto their their bodies, huh. and and that is the first thing that we we discovered uh, during this process. That is absolutely remarkable. I love the idea of confusing students in a way that they're not expecting something and then having this be the result of it, but also kind of a shout out to where we're at with technology because of the, the hours of observation that would be needed, let alone the positioning and the canopy and where you're sitting and standing and your ability to do this is enhanced and it really comes down to having cheap available recording that's of high enough rev resolution that you can zoom in and see that. So Really, I could see why sometimes, even if you had a good hunch, it would take a long time to get to this point. 
Exactly. Well, that is very important. That's an important point to make because we were not the first to people to see bees being attracted to vanilla fruits. Okay. That is that is uh, known since the 80s. And in fact, vanillin has been used as an attractant for euglossin bees mm. already since the 60s. Wow. But what no one knew is how this process, you know, the, the vanilla vanillin attraction could lead to seed dispersal. Mm. And we what what we have done is actually being, you know, we were able to see the seeds on the insects. And that is something that you uh, could probably not do without the proper equipment. Um, of course, we also caught a lot of the bees. Mm -hmm. um, so what we did is uh, that's that. That is a little bit of a piece of uh, ingenuity <laughs> that uh, our colleague Ruth uh, from Peru invented, and I I love her for that because it was <laughs> it was absolutely magical. So what what Ruth um, uh, thought about is a bottle trap, and mm. it's just uh, just a regular uh, soda or whatever bottle water bottle bottle with fruits hanging inside. And um, openings on the side, which allow the fragrance to come out and uh, attract these bees. And with a little bit of uh, alcohol on the in the base of this bottle, uh, what happens is that the bees um, are attracted to the fragrance, to the uh, vanillin. They try to get inside the bottle, and some of them uh, end up, you know, falling into the alcohol because of this frantic movement and the flying and, you know, the craze of collecting these fragrances. Right. So thanks to this little piece of technology, which we set out uh, to put in the field, we were able to collect uh, enough bees uh, being attracted to the vanillin to be able to say, well, it's actually a dozen species of glossin bees that are wow. attracted to this fragrance alone. Wow. Um, and that's that's quite remarkable. Um, and so we we also did uh, another interesting test, and that is um, to put out uh, some fruits in an area where we, you know, we, we knew the bees would, would come to the fruits. And even though we couldn't see uh, without the camera equipment, we couldn't see the seeds being physically removed from uh, the fruits. What we did is we, we placed um, mats under these fruits and uh, then brushed the, the mats after the bees had uh, visited. And we were able to count the <laughs> vanilla seeds that the bees are, had actually dropped wow. to the ground. Uh, and so we compared, you know, fruits with bee presence with fruits without bee presence. And we were able to say, yeah, when the bees are absent, there's zero fruits dropping to the ground. And when the bees are present every half an hour or every 20 minutes, <laughs> there's so many seeds falling to the ground. Of course, we weren't able to say how many seeds are actually taken by the, sure. by the bees because there's also a percentage uh, there. But at least we know they are definitely displacing the seeds. Oh, that is so cool. And, and, and I love sort of the, the chipping away. It's not enough to observe. Let's try to count and, and let's add an extra layer. And I know sometimes that's just reviewer comments that shoehorn those into the effort. But, you know, here's already a strange idea for most people to get their heads wrapped around a bee visiting a fruit, a bee picking up fragrance. Because here, you know, up in at least outside of Florida, you don't get euglossins. You don't see that kind of activity, but let right. alone them being involved. And then you think of, okay, if they're falling to the ground, they're falling near a parent, that fungus is obviously there for them to germinate. That's good enough. But then this idea that bees can travel, like they fly and, and orchid bees can travel a pretty decent distance for dispersal, right? Yes. Orchid bees can travel up to 100 kilometers. I'll let you Whoa. translate that into miles. Yeah, I they think. can figure it out. <laughs> All right. All right. But so that is quite a distance that is not, you know, that's not, that's significantly further than any average uh, dispersal by wind. Dang. And that's very important to make that distinction because you would imagine that wind dispersal um, takes the seeds very far. But on average, more than 90% of the seeds that are dispersed by the wind 
fall within one meter distance from the plant, the mother plant. Wow. So in fact, the bees are pretty good at, uh, at dispersing these seeds. Um, and then there's another uh, issue here. And that we found that um, there are other types of bees. Other, uh, there's another group of bees that also visit uh, or, or at least have learned to use uh, vanilla fruits as a resource. And that is a different group of bees uh, called the stingless bees. Oh. Uh, in the Meliponini, and they are what what happens there is that uh, these are females. So the others were all males, and these are females. And these females they collect resin and uh, different materials to to build their nests. Oh. And so what we found is that um, they also visit uh, vanilla fruits, the the dehiscent vanilla fruits, which open the the fruits and expose the seeds and collect the pulp and while they collect the pulp a lot of these seeds are are going uh in there and so they actively um, place these uh, the pulp and the seeds on their hind legs and what we suspect is that they're using this as uh, building materials uh. for their nest so there is a, a second group of bees that um, actually uses vanilla as a resource and it, this has been a much more recent finding, and uh, um, now it's known that that actually stingless bees do uh, are attracted to to vanillin and will collect uh, vanillin as well. So it's actually a double <laughs> uh, uh, strategy in that sense. Absolutely wild to not only find an example of bees, but two, and they're doing different things. That to me is yes. just absolutely remarkable because it's like you said incredibly rare at least at this point in our understanding of plants and insect interactions and here you are you've stumbled onto a system where it's it's two different groups doing vastly different things for different reasons right right i mentioned that uh you know there's uh four plant species that are uh known to have uh bee dispersal of their seeds um and they all use stingless bees huh. that collect nest building materials so in fact the stingless bee is less weird in a way <laughs> although it's the first orchid or the first monocot in fact that is known to to be dispersed by bees um uh it, it actually the, the 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 dispersal by fragrance collection is a first implants in general ever wow. yeah it's already a wild system Orchid bees are fascinating. It's a it's worth an entire discussion or two of its own. But yeah, the fact that they're doing this and also getting involved in seed dispersal for a very charismatic group of orchids is amazing. But it doesn't end there either. You guys went above and beyond the call of duty even then. <laughs> yes, and I'll and I'll let you know how how we came up with that. And um, as I mentioned, while we were in the South Pacific, uh, um, in Osa. And we were studying the the, the bees coming uh, to the uh, fruits of um, vanilla odorata. But then we realized, as I mentioned, there are several species of vanilla growing naturally around uh, this, this region in Costa Rica. And we noticed that even though the fruits of vanilla odorata and, and a few other species are permanent, persistent, so they will be there and they will stay on the vine even after maturing for several months. We noticed that one species in particular never had any remnants of fruits ever. Hmm. So you would see the, the fruits beginning to mature and then nothing, right? And so we, we started wondering, you know, what, what what is going on? You know, uh, is is something else going on here? Right. And so what we did is, well, we, we took some of these plants with um, fruits that were close to maturing. We took them back with us uh, to Lancaster Gardens and we cultivated them. Hmm. And we realized that after a certain point, this fruit turns yellow and drops to the ground. Hmm. So we first thought, okay, it's aborting the fruits, but it's not. So actually the fruits, they are in the hesant, so they do not open up, exposing the seeds 
as uh, in the case of vanilla odorata, but they fall uh, to the ground and finish maturing on the ground. And so they they uh, change from yellowish to brownish and become fragrant and soft and and drop to the ground. Hmm. And so we said, okay, something else is going on here. <laughs> right. So we we figured, well, if these fruits are these are large fruits, if they're f- dropping to the ground and um, and not opening up, it's definitely not the bees. Um, they won't go to a fruit that is unopened, and uh, they certainly can't open up a fruit. Right. So, <laughs> so we figured, well, let's you know, let's play some uh, camera traps, motion-activated camera traps in the forest, and just leave those fruits uh, lying there, and let's see what happens. And that's when the magic happened, <laughs> because. The the camera having camera traps out there in the field is absolutely it's it's so enjoyable it's so much fun. Totally, you can see all sorts of things coming and going on on these paths, <laughs> right? And, and you imagine they're there, but you normally don't get to see them, right? But with the camera traps, I mean, it was awesome. We were able to see um, all sorts of mammals and and all sorts of other animals, and uh, nice. yeah, that was. That was incredible. Excellent. We even got to see some of the larger cats here in, uh, oh, in Costa Rica in cool. the camera traps. Um, but anyways, the the what we determined is that these these uh, fruits are clearly attracting a, a very particular group of animals, and that is rodents. Mm. And uh, so rodents, um, especially the spiny rats and a few other uh, rodents here in Costa Rica are really keen on um, grabbing those fruits, smelling them, waiting until they mature and just nibbling <laughs> down those fruits and enjoying um, <laughs> enjoying them quite, quite a lot. Um, we also found one marsupial, uh, oh. the common opossum, eating uh, the fruits, but nice. uh, most of the species that we found uh, were were rodents. And so we were able to confirm that also mammals are acting as seed dispersals, but it doesn't end there. <laughs> oh. <laughs> we thought, well, you know, we can see the animal grabbing the fruit, eating it, you know, yeah. but can we prove that the seeds are actually passing through the digestive system of these animals? So what we did is, and again, this was a lot of fun. I'm a botanist, so I, you know, I, I never get to do any of this. And so we, we <laughs> uh, joined forces with a few of our colleagues at the uh, zoology museum um, here at the University of Costa Rica expert on an expert on mammals and an expert on bees and so with the mammal expert we actually captured um the rodent and the marsupial species and we fed them vanilla (laughs) how nice of you (laughs) (laughs) we treated them well well. good good good. (laughs) they they like the vanilla um so we kept them um for a few days and just kept feeding them uh, vanilla (laughs) <laughs> and kept collecting everything that was coming out of the animal. Oh, lucky. And, yeah, yeah, that was, well. <laughs> um, and so we looked at uh, the feces, and we actually found the seeds there, and uh, we were able to confirm, yeah, the seeds, they pass the digestive, the digestive system very quickly mm. um, and can be up there at least a day. A day, but but uh, in the first few hours they already start passing the seeds, and um, so we were able to confirm that they will would come out of the animals perfectly intact. Nice. So that was that was really awesome to to realize. So we we know for a fact that um, that the these animals not only eat the fruits, but can actually disperse the seeds. That is incredible. And, you know, again, not really expected if you're familiar with like the broader 
type of seed dispersal mechanisms with orchids. Like you said, most of our wind disperse very tiny dust-like seeds. So hearing an animal going munch, 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 and it coming out the other end just fine, available, even if a couple hours, an animal's pretty mobile. And so they're getting to different places, at least not at the base of the parent plant. No, definitely. I mean, this these animals they they can move uh, several meters or even kilometers in a few uh, hours and days, and so you you are definitely getting a significant dispersal here, Dang. because uh, they they can eat a whole fruit, and uh, mm. so there's that's thousands of seeds. Yeah, yeah. Um, and they'll they'll uh, be passing the animal several times in, in a day. So that that is really 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 cool, and because we like to do things very properly, <laughs> we still did another experiment and said, well, can we prove that these are these seeds are actually viable? You know, can we can these can we prove that these seeds germinate? And so what we did afterwards is. We we and this I admit I took a student and asked him to remove every single seed from the feces of these animals. <laughs> Shout out to as him. Possible. <laughs> Shout out to Francisco. Good. <laughs> and he did it, and um, we were we were able to separate uh, as many seeds as possible, and we we cultivated them uh, in vitro and in situ. Nice. So what we did is. We went back to the field, to the places where we had identified um, plantlings uh, being germinating in the field. So we know that the fungi are there, the mm. conditions are right. And we actually put uh, seed packets um, with, well, seed packets in the field from um, directly from the fruits and from uh, the animal feces and just placed them out there. And we went to check um, three a little bit more than three months after, and we found uh, protocorms, so nice. germinating vanilla seeds in the field yeah. from both, so from uh, directly from the, the the fruit and from those seeds that had passed the animals. So we can definitely say, wow, uh, passing through the animal is uh, possible is uh doesn't hurt the seed and it can still germinate it's probably not a requirement and sure. that's very important because that means that the bees are still dispersing those seeds right and are still effective uh, uh in dispersing the seeds um, because of course in that case the seeds are not going through the digestive system and so that was absolutely incredible you know we were yeah. able to to show all this, you know, the whole story, the whole picture of how um, this uh, all occurs. And afterwards, it was also interesting to know that, in fact, people that study rodents have known for a long time that vanillin <laughs> or vanilla is very good to attract rodents. So people that study rodents use vanilla in a mixture of with oatmeal and other things to catch rodents. Phenomenal. But no one, we couldn't figure out, you know, where did they come up with this? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's not written anywhere. We thought this of that. protocol of using vanilla, who came up with it? <laughs> so, you know, we finally were able to answer, well, the reason rodents like it is because it's actually made for rodents. That's amazing. Right. <laughs> oh, that is yeah. phenomenal. And, you know, the, the, second to last time you were on here it was about dispelling myths and and it just goes to show you what it takes to do just that it's it's not about speculating it's not about saying yeah i have a i have a feeling it's this you start there but the extra mile you have to go to be sure of your results sure of your observations is the hallmark of great science so shout out to you and your colleagues for doing this but it also just goes to show you you know why and, and especially scientists in positions like yours it can be very difficult to get that publication record because sometimes these natural history surveys take many years to do or you need more observations than are physically possible most of the time so i mean the fact that you were able to put all these together albeit over a decade is just a testament to how thorough and, and how passionate this subject matter really is for you and your colleagues yeah well that is, that is a very good point as well matt and you know it it sometimes it it's difficult because um 
you want to be, you know, you you have a great discovery like this, and you really want to want to <laughs> tell the world, right? Right. You want to be the first to tell the world, and you know, you don't want to want other people, you know, being there first, and you know, uh, um, it's hard because you at the same time you want to be able to be. Uh, to have a very thorough story and a complete story and being able to prove. So, you know, whatever anyone throws at you, <laughs> you want to be able to say, well, we tested it and we tried this and we did that. And that honestly makes a lot of difference, in, especially in ecology, because there's a lot of studies out there that, well, you know, if you only have the first observation and don't have an explanation for the rest, it 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 really makes you wonder. Uh, you know, it's not just about saying I saw a bee. Well, I saw a bee back in 2017, <laughs> and that wasn't enough to publish. Right. So you know that that is that is very important. So you want to have repetition. You want to have tests. You want to do the whole the whole story and it does take time and it does mean that sometimes someone may go be uh, in front of you um with something and well that's just science yeah but i'm i'm so excited that when i saw this finally come out i i was like and there it is because i know i've kind of hinted at over the years been like adam where you at with the vanilla stuff patience 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 so it's it's here and you did it and I mean, the results are phenomenal. It is, it's blowing up uh, new types of dispersal, new ideas about dispersal, but also bringing us closer to a group of plants that, as we started off talking about, are worldwide famous, but poorly understood from a natural history, ecology, physiology perspective. And, and now you've added a huge component to that chapter of our understanding of these, this, this whole genus, really. Right, indeed. Um, there is a lot still to be done, and that is also a very important takeaway message. Right. Um, you know, we opened a can of worms in a way. <laughs> Good. <laughs> because we were already able to say that there are so many different uh, mechanisms only within these few species of vanilla that have fragrant fruits. And there are still so many other species which also have fragrant fruit, but but different fruits and a different way of opening or not opening. And then there are a lot of vanilla fruits that don't have fragrances or at least don't have vanillin. And then there are all those vanillas that uh, occur in the tropics of Asia and Africa that no one knows what is going on. Right. Um, and, you know, so that just says, well, you know, there's a lot to be said here and, and a lot to be studied still um about the the ecology of these uh, wonderful plants but we were able to finally say with confidence okay vanillin has a reason <clears throat> it exists <laughs> not only to pleasure our uh, right. um you know tongue and uh you know uh, we were able to say okay it has a biological reason and that is the dispersal of the seeds of these these orchids um, these very unique, uh, fragrant, and beautiful orchids, and uh, they are. Uh, it is a key component of the ecology of these uh, plants, and also, of course, of the conservation of these orchids, right. because we now know that this is a whole system that involves different groups of bees, several different species of bees doing uh, using these fragrances for their own uh, behaviors and, and necessities. And um, mammals that are also involved in in the processing and and consumption of these fruits, these are highly nutritious fruits as well. So we study the the nutritional value of uh, of uh, the vanilla fruits, um, which is something people don't look at uh, <laughs> either. And they are actually pretty good. Nice, <laughs> nice, good to know. So um, yeah, um, and and so there's a whole ecosystem um, that depends on on these different um, um, parts or, or elements. Yeah. The, yeah. I mean, that's why I, to this day, will always say orchids are poster children for that sort of holistic ecosystem conservation because, man, few other plants have the degree of specificity in their interactions across all stages of life. 
Yeah, and then you know that's just one component. I mean, I'm, I'm right. just talking about about vanilla seed dispersal, but you know the flowers are also pollinated uh, by animals, and uh, they have extra floral nectaries, Dang. which are visited by ants and and fed upon by ants. They have uh, host uh, trees that are uh, on which the the vines are growing. And they have mycorrhiza in the ground and, and and on the trees that are you know helping with the germination and and um, survival of these uh, these plants. So there's a whole ecosystem of different um, organisms that are involved in in just the vanilla orchid. Fascinating, and I can't thank you enough for telling us about it. But congratulations, first and foremost, uh, for for all the achievements to you and your colleagues. This is monumental work. Thanks so much. Yeah, we we did it together. We are a big group of of collaborators uh, that helped with the different aspects of of this research. As I mentioned, the, the you know there's a there's a lot of different components, and we have experts on bees and experts on mammals. And you know, it's not something that you can do on your own. Right. Like I said, I'm a botanist. Uh, I like ecology, but I'm not an expert. And you know, we have a lot of people that are involved in in um, putting the traps on the fee in the field and you know uh, looking at the, all the different aspects uh, of um, of this research and then of course the cultivation of and germination of seeds <laughs> is something else so you have really the integration of different sciences and scientists and, uh, and for that I'm very thankful to to all of them I'm not going to list them because yeah. it's about 12. <laughs> So I'll put up the link to everything so they can find more. But with that in mind, Dr. Karamans, where do people go to find out more about your work, more about Lancaster Botanical Garden and the work of your colleagues? Right. Well, the the article we are discussing uh, has been published in Current Biology. So is is available um, from uh, the journal's webpage. But of course, you can also visit uh, my own webpage, uh, adamkaramans.com. And... Um, you can visit the Lancaster Botanical Gardens webpage as well, um, but I'll I'll give you all the the yeah. details later on. Perfect. Yeah, I'll give up all the links so that people don't have to pull over to the side of the road to write this down or get out of the shower. But uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I know you got a a, a a lot on your plate. You've got a family to take care of. But thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. And just keep kicking ass, man. You're doing great work, and uh, we all really appreciate learning about it. Thanks so much, Matt, again, for having me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to to talk to you and uh, to your audience. And, well, I hope people enjoy it. And, uh, you know, let's hear each other next time with yeah. another good story. Yeah, exactly. I, I sense you're coming back in the not-too-distant future, so stay tuned. <laughs> awesome. Right. Cheers. All right. Amazing stuff. What a cool story. What a amazing tale of passion and dedication and really, really, really hard work. My hat is off to Dr. Karamans and all of his colleagues that put in the effort for all of those years to tell a more complete story of vanilla seed dispersal. And how cool is that? One of my favorite flavors in the world has everything to do with seed dispersal because, of course, plants don't do things for us. They've been here for millions of years, evolving amazing things, and we just happen to take advantage of them. I thank Dr. Karamans for taking time out of his busy schedule to talk with us. And of course, as always, the relevant links for this conversation can be found in the show notes over at indefensiveplants.com slash podcast. While you're over there, consider supporting the show because I literally could not be doing this show each and every week without the support of everyone that kicks in, whether that's through Patreon over at patreon.com slash indefensiveplants or those of you that have picked up a copy of my book, some of our customizable merch or stickers. All of those are amazing ways to help the show continue on. And again, thank you to everyone who has supported it to date. I really, really appreciate it. But that is it for me this week. I thank you all for listening. Make sure to hit that subscribe button and keep checking back in. But until next time, hang in there, stay healthy, and get outside if you can. This is your host, Matt, signing out. Adios, everyone.